has chosen you to partner with him. He wants to lift that load from you. So I'm just so thankful. Father, we are thankful for who you are, Lord, that your word is strong and your grace is free. And the good news is he will do for anyone what he is. He's not a respecter of persons. You can save anyone, Father. We thank you for the free gifts that you have given us, that nothing we can earn. It is a free gift. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're so glad to have you here tonight. If you're able, just go around and greet some of your family of faith. If you're new, we'd love to get to know you. There's a little get to know you card right in front. If you want to fill that out, it's in the seat in front of you. We're glad you're here tonight. Get a shout from your seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the youth, uh, fifth through twelfth grade. If you if you do want to go, Josh, you can go. They're heading upstairs. Up to the law, 5th through 12th graders to hang out at night. They can head upstairs with Josh. It's good to have you. Oh, hi, Luke. Well, it's good to have you all tonight. It is, uh, based on the song we were just singing, is Jesus still changing your life? Don't, don't ever let him stop. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't force himself on you, right? But don't, don't ever let him stop. Amen. And he, he's, always, he's always putting life in front of you if you want to walk into it. Constantly. He's opening up new life. Constantly. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes we don't understand. We worship beyond our understanding. Most of I would say most, but a lot of what God is doing, you don't necessarily know what's happening in the moment, but hindsight you see, you know. But always keep walking into what God is doing. 
Jesus, if you allow him to, he's going to constantly be working and changing your life. Amen? All right, tithe and offering. If you do have something to give, you can prep that tonight. Offering envelopes in a chair in front of you. Or if there is not one there, the ushers will help you out. Just wave your hand frantically around. They'll find you. Uh, but it's good to have you tonight. And I'm just going to pray over your offering. If you have something, you can bring it forward. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to give tonight and just... Uh, Maybe a fitting way to close out our worship and just, just responding to your goodness and your, and your provision, Lord, that, that as, as we do pray, give us this day our daily bread, Lord, that we see increase in our life, Lord, and we, we respond with our tithe and our offerings, Lord, in an act of worship because, as, as the word says, the tithe is holy unto you. And, and we live within your provision. We're so thank you for, thankful for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody says... Amen. Bring it on down if you haven't. I, I don't have a lot of announcements tonight. Obviously, Friday night is our Christmas Eve service, 6.30. Okay, so 6.30 Friday night, I hope you can come out. And I, I said this before, um, people often think that Easter is the most attended uh, service of non-church people of the year. It's not. It's actually Christmas Eve, and that's what statistics say. So this is a great opportunity. I say that. It's a great opportunity to invite friends, family, coworkers that do not attend church, and maybe Friday night, you know, whatever's going on, invite them out. And I know a lot of people have family activity. That, that's great. But if, if that's not happening for you, we invite you to come on out. We'll, we'll be here for an hour or less. It's not a super long time. Um, and, and there will be refreshments. Tish and the ladies always have food here. They do a great job. They, they like to do that for us. So, And we are going to have eggnog, by the way, and Mike. I'm sorry. Mike looks at me like... Dude, what about me? And Mike. Don't forget about Mike. <laughs> How many of y'all love eggnog? Anybody? Okay, good, because in my household, I'm the only one who drinks it. And I buy it, and I drink the whole thing, and it's actually not very good for you. But I love this stuff, you know, so they'll have eggnog Friday and, and other uh, things for us to eat. But anyways, come on out Friday night. And we're going to uh, celebrate Jesus. Um, and then uh, church-wide prayer picks back up in January. We're kicking off the new year with 21 days of prayer. And we're, we're consecrating our, our year with three weeks of prayer. And the challenge to the church is one day a week during that three weeks to fast for a day. And then actually what we're going to kick off is we're going to challenge the church all through 2022, the third week of the month, that everybody fasts one day during that week. And it's just consecrating every month to the Lord in one day of fasting. And we'll talk about that more. But uh, 21 days of prayer to kick off the new year. So other than that, uh, we'll get into some other stuff later. Marriage night's coming up in the beginning of February, some different things like that. So having said that, let's get into our word. Um, and I hope you guys are all prepared for Christmas. I don't know about you, but it like it, I felt like it snuck up on me this year. It like came fast. Anybody else feel that way? It was just like... It's just like here, and just like, holy smokes, you know. Um, but I, I, I love Christmas. I'm a holiday guy, so uh, I'm excited about it. At the same time, remember, and I brought this up at the beginning of December, uh, for so many of us, uh, Christmas is, is a fun time. It's a family time. Certainly, hopefully, the biggest thing is we're focusing on Jesus and, and, and what he came to do. But it's not that way for everybody. So especially right now, this week, be praying for people that struggle at this time of year, whether uh, you know, depression sets in heart at this time or, or, or those that have lost loved ones in the past year, a couple years, two, three years maybe, and it's, these times of year are hard. 
And uh, yesterday, yesterday I officiated a funeral uh, for a lady I knew from church. I, I used pastor to her kids. She, she had COVID complications and passed away. Tomorrow morning I have a funeral uh, for a guy named Mark that I've known for years. I used pastor to all his kids and married a couple of his kids. He, he passed away from cancer. Uh, Sunday afternoon, we actually have a funeral here. You know, Angela and Mark McGann, her, her mom passed away. Uh, I, think she, I think she posted an obituary on, on her Facebook or something. But uh, Sunday afternoon, there, there is a memorial service for here, uh, for Angela's mom here. So in other words, I'm officiating three funerals this week. It's just another reminder that in the midst of all the joy, this world is still turning. You know what I'm saying? But to say that is what I spoke on at the funeral yesterday, and I'm going to speak tomorrow morning on, is the reason that Jesus came was to fix that. Because in his intention, that's not right. You know, you know, you know what I mean? And, and we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. You know, Christmas Eve, it's going to be about Jesus, obviously, as even every time we get together. And, and certainly, I hope, I hope Christmas Day, by the way, if you have family, kids busting into presents and stuff, take time to talk to them first. Maybe even read Luke chapter 1 and 2, spend some time in the Christmas story, then, then talk about gift-giving, what that means. And, and, but Jesus came to ultimately deal with death. Is that right? That's what resurrection is about. Because he deals with what causes death, and the wage of what is death? Sin. He comes to deal with sin, which ultimately deals with death. So, so yesterday and tomorrow morning and Sunday afternoon, it's just a reminder, look, this is tragic and it's sad and these things, they, they hurt and there's mourning. But Jesus came to deal with this. And the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. That's the beginning of the Beatitudes. And Jesus will meet us in our mourning here, but is always pushing us toward the joy of what is to come. Amen? And that's what Jesus is doing. So anyways, just, just pray for people that... Uh, in the midst of your own celebration and, and your joy hanging out with family this week, just take time to pray for those that may be struggling at this time of year. All right. Psalm. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Uh, how about uh, you get your uh, finger in your Bible to Psalm chapter number 78. I'm going to kind of do a lead in. We'll get to Psalm 78 in just a few moments. So we've been in the book of Psalms. I don't know about you. I've been enjoying this series. Anybody else getting anything out of this? I hope. If not, you can not fib, but raise your hand anyways. Um, I'm kidding. Psalm 78. The Psalms are important because, as, as you're going to see tonight, actually, the Psalms were sort of the prayer book, the prayer guide. It was the liturgy of the early church. And even in Judaism, uh, the Psalms were people went to pray and to sing. And the Psalms are, are well-tread paths of prayer and worship. Every time you read a psalm, and that psalm breaks out in a song in your heart, you're joining with the history of the church. You're tethered to it. And like we, I keep saying, this is so important. We, we, we don't make this up. We receive it. And we take care of it. And we pass it along. That, that's, our, that's part of our job is the working of the Holy Spirit. And the Psalms are a part of that because, again, they tether us to our history. But it's not just about the history because the Psalms mean something today. They are real life, whoever meets the road, emotion. It, 
of, of men and ladies interacting with God in the midst of the uh, circumstances of their life. So we, we talked about, by the way, the poetry of the Psalms, a lot of it is, is poetry. And the reason for that is, is because poetry is meant to open up open you up a little bit to your imagination and the, and the, the allegory and the, and the stuff that it brings. That anything is possible with God. Do you believe that? Amen. And then certainly we talked about, uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about joy in the Psalms. How the Psalms teach us to be joyful. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You should, by the way. Joy to the world, right? The Lord has come. That's the great Christmas song. Are you joyful this week? Okay, I, I know maybe some things are going on, but look, joy is a hallmark of the Christian faith, that we are people who are joyful because of what God has done, what God is doing, what God will do. And then, then we spent last week, I think, we started talking about uh, how to deal with enemies according to the Psalms. And we talked about the imprecatory Psalms where, you know, the Psalm was, Lord, come down and break their jaw, smash them on the cheek, and... and how, how we deal with that, what that means in the Psalms. So I'm not going to get into it. So if you missed that, you can check out the live stream from last week. Anyways, since it is uh, Christmas week marking uh, the incarnation, God in flesh, I wanted to look into Psalms tonight at the marks of the Messiah. Now, see, the Old Testament, as we know, and the story we find in the Old Testament, since, since the fall of man, then, then the call of Abram, Everything, even though they didn't know it, everything was leading to Jesus. And, and their belief in a coming Messiah and what the Messiah would do was culminated in Jesus. Now, now again, what he did didn't quite line up with what they thought he was going to do. He kind of reoriented it a little bit and set things forward. But you can say this, in a nutshell, the entire Old Testament dovetails to Jesus. Amen. Then Jesus comes, he establishes the kingdom, then the work of the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, the Holy Spirit comes. Now we're in the church age waiting for him to come again. Nutshell of the whole Bible right there. Now, everywhere in the Old Testament you find this foreshadowing, this leaning toward prophecy about a coming Messiah. Someone who's going to come and, and fulfill the vocation of Israel and, and, and fulfill the promise of Israel and all these different things and ultimately to fulfill uh, the promise to Abram that, that all people, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Jesus does that. And, and so we see these foreshadowings, we see these prophecies, we see these uh, what they call types uh, that, that foreshadow the coming of Jesus. And the Psalms is no different. If you read through the Psalms and you start to pay attention, you will find that the Psalms are chock full of references and even prophecies about the coming Messiah. Now, what's very interesting about it, and, and uh, we'll touch on maybe five or six of them tonight. What's really interesting about it is I'm glad that uh, we see these in the New Testament and, and the, the inspiration of the writers of the New Testament drawing these out because a lot of times if I'd have read that in the psalm, I'd have had no idea it was referencing the future Messiah. Some, sometimes, it's, it's, sometimes it's not like straight out there. Sometimes it is based on hindsight 2020 of what we know. For instance, we'll, we'll look at Psalm 22. 
That, that's really easy. If you know the story of Jesus and, and his death on the cross and what he says on the cross, and, and you look back at Psalm 22, you go, oh, that's easy. That's direct connection to Jesus and, and, and what he did. But to some of them that aren't so easy, and, and we're thankful for the New Testament writers that draw some of this out. But what I want to do tonight is I want to look at, I don't know, five or six instances in the New Testament where they draw on some place in the Psalms. And uh, I, th I think roughly there are 30 or so times, that, that number is not exact, but some, somewhere in that neighborhood, 30 or so times where the, the New Testament writers literally quote a psalm, drawing from the psalms. And that also, by the way, reinforces how much they knew of the psalms. So when I say it's the prayer book that they knew, I'm not just saying that. It literally was. So the, the writers and their inspiration draw on what their foundations are. Amen? As a matter of fact, the book of Hebrews has, has uh, several of that in them. So how about this? Let, let's look at some psalms. I, I, we're going to read them in the psalms. I'm going to tell you the reference where you find them in the New Testament. We won't go there, but I think, I think as we read them, they'll be, be obvious. So the first one, Psalm 78. And verse number two. I think this one will be obvious. And it all it is is one verse in this psalm, but it draws forth on Jesus. Psalm 78, 2 says, I will open my mouth in a what? A parable. And I will utter dark sayings from of old. So that is a very simple uh, uh, example of a psalm that seemed very obscure. But yet the New Testament writers draw on it. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 35, you write that down. It references that psalm in talking about Jesus speaking in parables. So, and it's not the whole entire psalm, by the way. The writer Matthew draws on one, what we call a verse, one sentence in the psalms, and draws it forth as a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do. Okay, here's another one. Psalm chapter 118. Who do I got back there? Elijah. Elijah's going to be working fast tonight. He's going to do a good job. Psalm 118, verse number 26. Psalm 118, verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his, his light shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords upon the horns of the altar. So that first line right there, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Where did you hear that before? The triumphal entry, right? What were the shouting as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem as they believe to claim his kingship? He did, but in a whole different way, right? And we see this obviously in the Gospels. Matthew 21, 9 directly quotes that. So even the triumphal entry, the blessing of going, uh, come save us now, Hosanna, drawn from the Psalms. There's another one, Psalm chapter 8. Jump backwards here. Psalm chapter 8 and verse number 4. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? goes on to say, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And you have given him dominion over the works of your hands and you put all things under his feet. 
How many of you recognize that from the New Testament? Anybody? So, so where that's found is you go to Hebrews chapter 2. And the writer of Hebrews draws on that in talking about Jesus. And that is simply uh, talking about that all things, all authority, and all power will be under Jesus. Amen? There's another one, Psalm chapter 22. Let's, let's kind of jump into that one a little bit. Psalm chapter 22. Verse number 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, where have you heard that before? Who said it, by the way? Did Jesus know the Psalms? Yeah. There's, there's been a, uh, there's a lot of, I don't know, talk, debate, or what you want to call it about. Why did Jesus say that? I, to me, it's sort of plain and straightforward. He's drawing on a psalm. And he's bringing this psalm forward to let everybody know, if you're paying attention, that what the scriptures are saying of old are about me. And he is also, in his own humanity, really crying out to God on the cross, why have you forsaken me? Now, let's, let's kind of read down. Now, he only quotes that. He doesn't quote the whole psalm on the cross, right? But let's, let's read down through the psalm. It's, it's, it's a few verses, but let's kind of read it. Why are you so far from saving me the words, from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. You are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel, and you are fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you, to you they cried and were rescued, and in you they trusted and were put to sh not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by all mankind, despised by people. And this jumps back into this crucifixion and what's going on. All who see me mock me. They make uh, mouths at me. They, they wag their, their heads. But he trusts in the Lord. Let, let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Wasn't that challenging Jesus with that? If you really are, why don't you just crowd to God and God will rescue you? Verse 9, yet you are he who took me from the womb, and you made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Now watch this. He, again, he's coming back out to this crucifixion that's happening. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open their wide wide their mouths at me like ravening and, and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws, and you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me, and they divide my garments among them. For my clothes they cast lots. Isn't that just exactly a foreshadowing of the events that happened at the crucifixion? And so on. So, again, Psalm 22 is another example. Now, this is literally, in a certain way, a prophecy about the things to come that we find in the Psalms. Another one, Psalm chapter 16. This also concerns the, the crucifixion. 
Psalm chapter 16, verse number 8 through 11. It says, I, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or, or, or let your Holy One see the corruption or other translations of the word decay there. Make me known to the path of life in the presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand or pleasures forevermore. That is quoted in Acts chapter 2 concerning the resurrection. That, that in his crucifixion, the Lord did not let Jesus stay in decay, but raised him from the dead. Again, another foreshadowing of things to come. Another one, Psalm 46. We, we could be here for a long time. Let's do a couple more. Psalm chapter, I'm sorry, 45. Verse number 6 and 7. It says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of, of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the, anoint, the oil of gladness beyond all of your companions. See, Hebrews chapter 1 quotes that in verse 8 and 9. Talk about the everlasting kingdom of God that Jesus ushers in. So forth. There's a lot of them. So what is the point? Why, why am I bringing this up to you? One thing that Psalms teach us in this, if, if, again, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear when you're in the Psalms. Now, again, it's a challenge. You don't have to do this to stay saved, okay? But challenge that you read a Psalm a day next year. So we're coming up in January 1. This is something I've been saying this whole entire series. January 1st, hopefully you didn't stay up too late on the 31st to do any good on the 1st, okay? But whatever time you wake up on the 1st, now see, I'm old. I'm past the point of hanging out till midnight. I'll be honest with you. Anybody there with me? If I make it to midnight, amen. If I don't, I'm still good the next day. Amen. So, but January 1st, Whatever your normal scripture reading pattern is, and I hope you have a scripture reading pattern, in other words, a rhythm of how you get into the word, a habit of your life, read Psalm chapter 1, second day, Psalm chapter 2, and so forth, and, and, and you'll get through the Psalms twice in a year. But at times, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you'll pick up on these messianic themes through the Psalms. And... and in your reading, you'll catch, wait a minute, where have I heard that before? Chances are you heard it in some teaching in your reading in the New Testament and then know that it was drawing on the Psalms for that, okay? But the importance of that is this, is that in the midst of normal life, which the Psalms were written, the, the, the anguish of the, of the loss of life, in the midst of, of enemies going after them, and even in the midst of joy, in the midst of life that the Psalms were written in, what it shows us is that we are always looking for the one who fully saves us. Amen. Now, see, the Psalms are written in a specific time period where the revelation of God was where it was. Does that make sense? So, in other words, the Psalms were written before Jesus came. And they, they were not 
right in the Psalms, well, I know someday this baby's going to be born to this girl named Mary, and it's crazy story, she was a virgin, right? And we got God in flesh, and they're going to name him Jesus. And he's come and save the world from their sin. They're not thinking that. It's not there yet. We're heading that direction. So the Psalms are directly written in the revelation that they have in their relationship with God as they had it. What the Psalms show us is the fact that even in the midst of these trying times, because there's messianic things, it's always pulling us towards the one who saves us entirely. Amen? So in the midst of the messes of your life that you find yourself in, when you cry out, God, when? God, why? And we find that in Psalms. It's okay, it's okay to do that, you know that. Right? What we were talking last week when it comes to enemies, it's okay to pray when you're angry. You don't have to sanctify yourself before you get to prayer. There's sanctity in your emotion and expressing it to God. Right? So you come to him, and, and you're, you're crying out, and you're praying, and, and even, even as a burst of joy, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, that emotion that we have, understand that we're always being drawn to the one who saves us, and that is Jesus. Another thing that shows us is this. In this way, the Psalms, like all of Scripture, is laying out the true hope of life the true hope of abundant life that, again, is always in front of us. That's what I was saying earlier. There is nothing that is too far dead that God can't revive it and bring it to life. You believe that? The Psalms teach us that. The Psalms is saying in the midst of what is going on in this specific situation, I'm crying out to God, and that messianic theme is always bringing, but there's life in front of you. There's abundance in front of you. There are things to come in front of you. It's always drawing us to that if you have eyes to see and ears to hear in the Psalms. And, and then that leads into this. There's always, there's always until the, to the finalizing of the kingdom, there's always something that says what is to come. Always. You know that? In other words, that brings back to his life in front of us. In other words, there's always hope. So the Psalms, in, in the foreshadowing of the Messiah to come, are saying, but hey, there's more coming. This isn't the finality of the situation. There's more coming, and it's good. It's good for you. Now, we find ourselves here today, Jesus has come, right? But we're still learning from the Psalms and saying, there's more coming. This is not the final end of it. There's more coming, and guess what? It's good. So the Psalms actually are very apropos to Advent because Advent is the patient waiting that we celebrate on Christmas Day. It's the patient waiting of a coming Messiah. Now, the writers of the Psalms were seeing things, not fully understanding, but already hundreds of years before Jesus came, there was a patient waiting for him. That's what Advent teaches us patient waiting, then a celebration. Angels rejoicing, right? Shepherds coming to see. This grand celebration of this baby born. Well, we're in another patient waiting right now, right? And, and whether or not the coming again happens in our lifetime, who knows, right? But we're going to be patiently waiting with perseverance. 
Because whenever he comes again, there's going to be another cosmic celebration. Isn't that right? There's going to be the fullness of joy. The Psalms teach us this. So as you read the Psalms, and it teaches you that in our emotions, in the realness of life, that we cry out to God and how God responds, it teaches us how to live in relationship with him. This messianic theme is always there, always lurking in the background, sometimes popping, popping to the front that's very obvious, sometimes just there and you kind of miss it. But it's always there. So the Psalms always teach us to have hope. The Psalms teach us that there's life. As a matter of fact, abundant life, maybe I think sometimes beyond our understanding of what we can conceive. Which goes back to this whole prophetic imagination stuff we've been talking about Sunday. Don't let that phrase scare you. In other words, what is possible because of God? What is possible because of God is always going to be beyond your understanding. But I encourage you to grab hold of it as much as you can. Because then you have something to believe in and put your faith in that this can happen, right? This whole story of, of, of a child being born to, to a, a woman who knew no man. My gosh, that's the possibility. God can do anything. Remember we talked Sunday about uh, Elizabeth and her barrenness. She, she had John the Baptist. Anything is possible. If we just simply grab a hold of what God is saying and live in it. Amen. So as you get into the Psalms, again, it's going to teach you a lot. I encourage you to do so. Catch what God is up to beyond the moment of your frustration and your anger and your dealing with your enemies and all this different stuff. Always lurking right there is the goodness of life. If you can see it, it's there. You know that? You know the most frustrating moments of your life when you're crying out to God and you're like, ah, how many of you ever did that to God? I, ah, what in the world? What's going on? You're, you're allowed. You're allowed. Don't miss the goodness that's lurking right there. The goodness that's all wrapped up in it. The life that God is bringing you. Don't miss it. Because sometimes I think, I think what we want to do is we want to get out. God, then we exit. And we're out. Well, I just need this vent. I just told God how I felt and you left the conversation. You got to stay in it long enough that then he can start to bring the life to you. It's good to vent because it puts you in the cage with him, but don't try to exit the cage when he's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to put you in an arm bar and make you stay there a little bit and impart some life to you. And you go, okay, I'm tapping out, I'm tapping out, then you're going to walk away with a limp. You, you have a noticeable interaction with God in your life. You have been changed. Right? That, that's what he's after. He's, he's changing you. He's doing things. Amen? All right, so the psalm is the fullness of foreshadowing the Messiah. Amen. So I encourage you, don't do that message Christmas morning for your kids, okay? Talk about Jesus, but don't go to the song. Go to Luke 1, Luke 2, Matthew chapter 1, do, do one of those stories of the birth of Jesus. Amen? So again, back to what we said at the beginning, how many of you, Jesus is still changing your life? And I, listen, I have not got there yet. I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure I want to get there, if that makes sense. There's, some, there's something about this interaction and, and the learning and, and just, just jumping into him to the fullness. I'll get there when he intends me to get there. How about that? 
But I'm enjoying this right now. I am. I, 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 love, I love learning and growing. I don't like it in the moments of conviction. I don't like it when he tells me I'm wrong. It happens. I don't like it when he corrects me. But then a little later, I go, oh, I'm thankful for that. I learn to like it. I learn to, to, to receive it. Amen? But I never want to be at a place where Jesus is done changing me. I don't want to be there. I always, to the best that I can, obviously, through the help and the leading of the Holy Spirit, want to constantly walk into that life that he's putting in front of me. When, he, when he's cleaning out those dark corners of my life with all the cobwebs in them that I think nobody sees, but obviously he does. He's down there with, the, with one of those flashlights. Hey, hey, I see this down here. You're not hiding from me. Let's deal with this. He's also, also bringing the flashlight on the stuff that everybody sees. That's obvious to everyone. There's some of that stuff too, right? But knowing that he's working on me and has not given up on me and has patience with me and loves me anyways, there's something about that. It just drives me and draws me in. And times, I, I, like I said, you know, times of following him, times where he's dragging me, times where I feel like I'm wrestling with him about something, thing I don't understand, and I get to wrestle with him. And, and I think he likes that. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you ever, when your kids were little and they're like really trying to beat you, ah, they're wrestling with you, and he's just like kind of laughing, <laughs> you know. It's kind of like that. You know, I think, I'm, think I'm getting somewhere with him, and he's just like, okay. But you're going to learn something here. I'm still God, and you're not. And you, you just keep rolling with me. We're going to be all right. You know what I mean? That's all good stuff. Amen? All right. Let's pray. I'll let you go so you can go eat candy canes and wrap presents and drink hot chocolate. And I'm going to go home and have some eggnog, I know. What I'm going to do. Lord, Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you so much for your coming. As the scripture, the more opened up to us, even in, in the Psalms that we see, you're all wrapped through there, Jesus. Foreshadowing and talking about you coming and, and, and what you're like and, and your death on the cross and then your resurrection and the, your kingdom is all through there too. But I, I just pray as we're, we're doing life with you, we're not just doing life with you, but you are our life. You are every breath. You're everything that we do that we live in you, we live by you, we live for you. Well, we, that, that we don't live in such a way that we, well, we ask you into our heart, well, but, but rather that we gave our life to you. Do as you will, have your way. Bring us life as we are constantly losing our own. So we praise you this week. We celebrate you, Jesus. We always do, but more magnified this week, we celebrate your birth. God coming to save us. And we thank you for that, in Jesus' name, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we'll be blessed. Hope to see you Friday night, 630. If you're doing a family thing, we'll see you Sunday. We do have service Sunday, by the way. Um, but see you Friday night or Sunday morning. Be blessed as you go.